The Howler is brought to you by White Street Brewing Company. Handcrafted beer made in the heart of downtown Wake Forest. Visit us just up US 1 at 218 South White Street or at whitestreetbrewing.com. Welcome to The Howler. Your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Chris Lehman and Drew Blevins. Hi there, everybody. I'm Drew Blevins, and welcome to another edition of The Howler. We're about to give you the state of Wolfpack Athletics. I'm Drew Blevins, alongside Chris Lehman. As always, we have a guest joining us for The Howler, and today it is the head softball coach from North Carolina State University, Sean Reich. Coach, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, it's been an interesting start to the season so far, hovering right around the 500 spot, but mostly that's because you did play such strong competition in the beginning, most notably at the Mary Nutter Classic. Can you explain what it's like when you're playing against the top one, two, and five teams in the nation? Yeah, we've, uh, the last couple of years, we've seemed to draw Florida and I think uh, Michigan a couple times in that mix too, and we had Oklahoma when they were number one. So, I think just about every year I've been here, we've had the number one team. This year, we just happened to get number one and two, and a couple uh, right underneath that. And it makes it a challenge. Your batting averages don't go up, your ERAs do. And sometimes it's hard to balance out that win-loss percentage. Uh, you'd like to think that all those games make you better, and at some point during the season, you're going to reap, reap the rewards of it. Well, and it seemed like this year the start was a little bit more difficult because, well, you've got Courtney Mirabella, who's been a great pitcher for you. You're coming off of Emily Wyman, who was just absolutely spectacular, and you really don't have someone like her come through a program all the time. How has that adjustment been? Because it seemed like last year Courtney did a pretty good job coming in and getting some time and getting some innings, uh, but this year it seems like pitching's a little bit more inconsistent. There's a lot of times that your team takes on the identity of your pitching, and for three years it was Emily Wyman, and now we've adjusted, and it's Courtney, and um, and Courtney and committee a little bit at times too. So that's been an adjustment. It puts a little pressure on other players, other positions. We also ran into a few injuries early on that really shook up our def- defensive lineup and even our offensive lineup, and um, it hurt us a little bit through the, the beginning time. So trying to find your identity has been a challenge, but we haven't had our maybe our best nine out there every single day, and, and that's a challenge. So as we continue to get healthy, we continue to change as a team, and it, and it doesn't allow you to be maybe who you want to be yet because you just haven't had that uh, continuity with the rest of the team. So um, there's probably a bunch of factors for the slow start, and we haven't played that well at times, uh, to be honest with you, and there's times we played really well. So I think that consistency is what we're searching for, and we continue to search now for it. We're joined by Sean Reichick, the head coach of Wolfpack Softball. Coach, as you look up and down your roster, there are a few seniors, but this is a youthful team. How do you feel about that, being able to develop players for quite some time? Well, that's a good sign, I guess, for the future, but I don't think anybody on the team, especially the two seniors, are looking forward to the future right now. They want to win right now, and I don't blame them. And When we came here in 2013, that was something that we really wanted to do is win right away. And nothing has changed. I don't want to rebuild year, maybe a reload year, if they use that term. But I want to be good. I want to go to the NCAs this year. So we're going to continue to fight and continue to make adjustments as needed to get there. And, um, you know, it is a little bit different, but we're we're still expecting to win right now. Uh, so what are some of those specific adjustments that you're looking at? We've talked a little bit about pitching, but offensively, what are you looking at from your team? Because it seems like uh, along with the pitching, sometimes the, the hitting goes the same way. Uh, you just look at this last weekend, you have a couple of games where you just blow it wide open and then two others where you put up three runs, but the offense wasn't quite what you see in the other games. So what are you seeing offensively out of your team so far? 
Well, we're starting to get a little more consistent. We still fall back into the inconsistency, and that is a two or three run outing. And I think sometimes with the offensive talent we have, we expect a lot out of them. And it is tough some days. You watch the baseball and you watch the top teams, they still get stymied one nothing every now and then. It just surprises you, but that's how the game and why you got to play it and why we go through the order. And um, We've had good production, and sometimes the, the lineup, just gets to that person that's struggling a little bit and they don't drive in the big run and get the big hit that they had a week ago that opened the game up and then all of a sudden somebody else is trying to get that hit that hasn't got it going either and, it, and sometimes it can just get you by where you fall in the lineup at, at certain outs and stuff but um, overall I've been real, real pleased I think since we've gotten out of uh, the first part of that the, the season where it's been ranked team after ranked team that our, our offense has gotten going. I know as, in general you look at the weekend stats and we hit almost 400 for the weekend. Uh, not too many coaches in the country aren't going to take that. So we've gotten good production. We started getting a little at different spots in the lineup, which has made it better. We've got some production at 8, 9, and you know 2, 3, 4, and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, maybe 6 even are going to produce. So I think from that standpoint we're getting better offensively and we're still going to have days where the matchups don't work to our hitting style and we're going to get caught but you know it's it is frustrating when you look on paper and say hey you should really uh handle this team and you don't but I think expectations again get you in trouble when you're expecting 10 hits and 10 runs every single game and then it suddenly doesn't happen it puts a little pressure on you during that game and it it adds adds a little more than you needed that game uh, in terms of pressure so uh sometimes we gotta be real careful with our expectations about how many runs and how many hits and you know some days you drive them in some days you don't and that's just how it is and you move on to the next day and hopefully that's the day you drive them in again you certainly talked about getting production out of the lower half of the lineup, which was critical in a couple of games to be able to push across runs. But in my opinion, you have your own little murderer's row. I'm sure you're very familiar with that in the middle of your batting lineup with Tyler Ross and Molly Hutchison and Meredith Burroughs and Maggie Hawkins and Hannah Summer. And it's just power after power after power after power. What does that add to your offense and how do you think those players are playing right now? We've been pretty consistent right through that stretch, and I think if Molly was National Player of the Week, I think Hannah Summer hit a couple of those guys hit close to 500 for this weekend. Uh, Tyler Ross maybe had a cooler weekend and still hit 500, and I think Meredith Burroughs was one of the the lower b- uh, batting averages for the weekend, but she carries a couple of other weeks. So, I think one it allows people to have a little bit of a slump, and we still can produce runs. And then when they're all clicking, it's pick your poison, and we're probably going to put up some big numbers. And we may hit a home run, and a lot of times a home run uh, ends a rally. But for us, we can start that rally right back up. And, you know, it's always nice to be in scoring position as you step into the batter's box. As you're looking at the schedule, there is a very unique game coming up in the middle of the week this week against North Carolina. It's obviously a rivalry game, as any NC State-UNC contest is, but this is out of conference for the first time in ACC history. How does that make you feel now that you're playing this team in a little different scope as it's going to affect your overall record, but not the ACC record? Yeah, I think from a coach, you, you try to stay away from giving one game more hype or more attention than another, but at this place you can't <laughs> it just I got caught today talking about it I was trying to just say hey it's another game let's do our what we're supposed to do and hit and pitch and play defense and then in the next press but you know what it means around here to people and it should mean something to you so it's going to be a unique situation um, you know I think the big picture we all know that we need as many wins as we can get down the stretch and that's kind of what we're going to focus on we need to get a win against the opponent and it just happens to be North Carolina so from that standpoint you try not to make too much of it, but you just you can't help it. Anybody comes in here in blue or you go someplace in blue around this area, it means a lot, and it means a lot to a lot of people. So um, that hangs there. That's that's an added 
benefit or sometimes a curse to the games like this. But we're going to try and just stay focused and, and get the win regardless, really, of Carolina. And hopefully we can treat them like another nobody and, and be very happy about that. <laughs> but it's hard not to. And they're, they're a good team, and then they're going to scrap. And I think they're in a position like us trying to get an identity, trying to get some consistency. So it kind of leads to an absolute battle. I told the kids be ready for one nothing or 11 to 10, whatever way it goes, we're ready. Uh, now, you talked about trying to treat this game like a normal game and also uh, trying to control expectation and expectations and understand kind of the process of, of evolving a team and growing them. So what do you do mentally to prepare and to coach your players uh, in, in that aspect? Well, when we get to the game tomorrow, it'll be more about just focus on your bats. Good pitch to hit, drive the bat through it. You know, pitching, hit your spots. Defense, move your feet, get your butt down club out in front of you make the plays our standard what we would talk about in practice and I I think you know oh my god you can't do that because Caroline will beat you you get in that type of uh, thought process and you're making more than what's you know it's not about making the play anymore it's about something completely different from from that standpoint you just try to stick to the basics and, and be focused on what you're fundamentals are and and that way you don't get distracted by oh god this is Carolina and this is that we game planned a little bit for them today they've got a couple unique batters at the top of their lineup we would do that for anybody Um, we did it for Florida and we prepared a little bit for the Mary Nutter that we're going to see a little more speed and overall from those teams at that level and and Carolina has a couple kids at the top of their lineup that run pretty quick and um, so we try to prepare for them to uh, just be a little quicker and be a little sharper and that's more of a game plan than a Carolina plan. And you will host another tournament after that Carolina game. You've got the Ohio Bobcats coming in, the Bryant Bulldogs, as well as the IUPUI Jaguars as well. It's a different crop of teams, very similar to the Doubletree RDU Challenge that you just hosted. Are you expecting a little more success, maybe even going 5-0 and in the tournament? Well, I'd like to win every game of the year if I could. <laughs> uh, you know, it just, you know, I... That that sometimes is is a scary thought from a coaching standpoint is when you start to set those well we should be five and zero and we expect to be five and zero and then you kind of forget to come out and do it and maybe on Saturday we got caught a little bit a couple eight run games on Friday hey this is going to be an easy weekend and bang you got caught by you know a couple teams that are you know one was playing for some revenge and the other one's playing pretty hot so um, I think you got to be real careful in in that situation you watch other sports like basketball and they play mid-majors and you think oh this will be easy but those are might be top teams in that in their conference and and they're senior laden and they've got experience and that can spell a, a different recipe and they're playing well and they've got momentum and confidence and it, sometimes teams like that are real hard to play and we we tend to play in, in softball some of the higher end mid-major conferences upstate's always in the top a lot of our tournaments seem to have some conference winners even if they're uh, mid-majors and those, like i said those teams nowadays can play there is no softies and uh um they make you. They challenge you, and sometimes you get caught just not being quite as sharp as you want. Uh, and I, you're really starting to get into the meat of that ACC schedule here, and it's still a pretty rigorous schedule. Not quite as rigorous as some of the the games that you played early on. But what are you looking for out of your team as you start that ACC schedule? And is there any difference in the mentality as you get into league play, or is it all kind of just treat everything the same, regardless of whether it's a league game or it's just a a, a non conference game? Yeah, again, from a coaching standpoint, you want to try and treat it because you don't want to do a lot different. So everything's treated the same in your preparation. But deep down, you know, you just said it, ACC and non-conference are two different things. And so I think, you know, the, the general goal, and it's general, again, is we want to win every series. 
we want to come out of there because if you win every series over the course of the season, you got a pretty good year in ACC play. You're going to separate. You're going to probably be in the top three or four, and hopefully you can win a couple series outright and take all three, and then you'll get a chance to compete for the, the championship or be in a position to hold a regular season title. But, I mean, ultimate goal is uh, – win every series we've got a couple ranked teams Florida State's playing really well uh, Notre Dame's playing really well we've got to go to Louisville uh, all three of those series are on the road so that's a heck of a challenge and uh, we, we got a chance to see Louisville here and they played Nebraska and uh, Wisconsin so they're a good team we played them in the uh, conference championship last year their pitchers back um, I think They've got a nice young freshman throwing pretty well. So they're a challenge. we got to go there. Uh, Florida State seems to pick up right where they left off with Matty O'Brien and Lacey Waldrop graduating. They haven't skipped a beat. I think they've lost two or three times and sitting at about 10 in the nation. So um, And Notre Dame's been real hot. They've got some big wins this year. So those are three challenges. And, you know, Pitt gave us everything we could handle. They're an NCAA team from last year, and they have big expectations because I think they're pretty senior-laden coming back this year. So a lot of challenges. So we start out, let's make sure we get our series and then kind of move from there. And then, you know, at the end of the year, you hope you've done enough to to be in a good spot, come ACC tournament, come NCAA tournament. Um, you know, but dropping a few of these non-conferences, putting some pressure on those weekends, and I think our kids know it, and we know it as a staff, and we're going to have to be extra sharp those weekends. And hopefully what, what I'm really looking for is us to get on a roll, to gain that confidence I was talking about some teams have. And if we can get on that, sometimes you just have a little more confidence going into those series that you're playing a little bit better and you feel a little bit better about yourself, which results in maybe some better play. Well, let's step in the pitcher circle here in Raleigh. Emily Wyman graduates and you lose one of the best players in all of NC State softball history. She leads the, she has a school record for strikeouts in a single game that she set in her senior season in a magnificent performance against Lipscomb. But now you have freshman Brittany Nimmo coming in. Harley Hubbard is a sophomore who's been coming in in the middle of games or in closing and save situations. And of course, Courtney Mirabella. How confident are you with what looks to be a fairly young pitching staff? I think it's a challenge of them guys finding their identity. Brittany Nemo is a, a freshman, and that, that's already a challenge. Um, and she had some injuries, and she's still battling them. She's not 100% healthy. Uh, she didn't throw today. Um, she'll probably be available tomorrow, but it's just a precautionary. Let's give her a little more rest. So she's been fighting that, which which kind of makes it hard to be consistent. And, you know, Harley's done a good job. She's much improved from last year. We've, you know, gotten a lot more innings already out of her. And she's got a couple wins. She beat Nebraska here at our place, and she got a couple saves in some big games. And when we needed her, we, you know, got the save against Cal, comes in, gets a double play to beat a ranked team there. So she actually been a part of some very big games. So, um, you know, I think for me, when I had two pitchers, it was a challenge of how to use the two together. Now that we've got three, but then we keep dipping back and forth with an injury there. It's just kind of how to use them and, and maximize what they've got. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, Brittany gets consistent. And, and that's always a challenge for a freshman pitcher is to, to get consistency out of them. And, you know, Courtney's just she's in a new role. And that, like I said, we're in a, a spot with our season. We've all got to just kind of figure out who we are now in these new roles that we've all been given for the new season. And, and once we kind of get comfortable, and I think we'll have a little more success and, and maybe you'll see some even more better production out of some people. 
I know Drew mentions the youthfulness a little bit, and we've talked about that some, but it's a little bit different scheduling and just a different environment in general for these girls coming into college. So what do you do to kind of adjust and help your your players get used to being in college and the new schedule? Uh, And also with uh, the pitchers specifically, how are you deciding who to throw each game in terms of getting the younger girls' experience, but also making sure that Courtney stays in a good rhythm? Well, the the young kids, I think, is is an experience thing. The more they play, the more experiences they have, the more you talk to them about it. And you just say, hey, look, this is another thing learned. Another, remember when this team did this to you? Remember when this happened? And they're like, oh, yeah. And when once those things start to click a little bit for them, and then you come up and say, hey, tomorrow this is going to happen and that's going to happen, now they really know. You, you As a freshman, you never know until you've experienced it, and that's sometimes hard the whole cycle of things getting even in the ACC tournament, even though they played 50 some games, it's new again. So it, it sometimes it's hard from that aspect. As far as the young side of the pitching staff, um, you know, you don't want to overdo your Courtney with all the tough games because then she's going to lose confidence. And so she needs some games where we feel that she can have some success. And you don't want to throw uh, your freshman and, and Harley, who hasn't thrown a lot of innings here, to the Wolves every game and say, here's every ranked team. And so it's a balance a little bit. And sometimes, you, you know, you look at it and go, wow, that team really chases the up pitch or they're having a lot of trouble with that. Maybe that's a better matchup for Courtney. Or, wow, they can't hit an outside pitch or hit one down and maybe that's a better for uh, uh, Brittany. And then Harley kind of mixes in. She's a unique pitcher with her velocity. So, you know, we try to maximize the best. Is it better to stagger all three of them? Is it one going to be able to handle it? So there's a daily challenge, and a lot of it's uh, team-orientated who we're playing. And then sometimes it's just, hey, she's throwing a little better right now, and we need to go to the little more confident pitcher right now, so we're going to give her the ball. And then everybody else ready ready to go if we need need you. And, Coach, last serious question for you. You talk about trying to make the NCAA tournament again, and this is a program that's become used to having success in the postseason, including making the Super Regional of Hayes, Oregon last year. What does it take this season to reach that pinnacle of success once again? Consistency, and that's in all phases of the game. We've been hurt by our offense, we've been hurt by our defense, and we've been hurt by our pitching. If those would all be just a little more consistent and get a little bit better, we're talented enough across the board in those those phases that we will be very successful so we talk about all, every day just be consistent in what we do um, no breakdowns in any any part of that which means walks to the pitchers making the plays when we need to defensively and being productive offensively and doing those things and when we do that we're awful good and like I said when we struggle with one of them it shows and that's where you get in those tight games that kind of scratch your head and say how did that happen it's because one of those phases probably didn't play as well as it it needed to and and it's hard it's not there's nobody's perfect in this game this is one of the most impure imperfect games there are if you look at all the other games quarterback completes 60 percent of the passes in basketball you shoot 50 percent and free throws are 80 percent there isn't anything that's in the 80 percent it's if you can get to 30 percent you're doing well in this game and that's a lot of failure and a lot of beating yourself up and if you can manage all that, then then sometimes you're in a real good spot. So we talk about that, and we talk to the kids about just being consistent. You're going to have ups and downs. Don't don't get too high. Don't get too low. And if you can kind of live there on that line, then you're usually having a decent year. And finally, Coach, NCAA tournament bracket just came out on Sunday. Who's won in the tournament? 
Oh, isn't that illegal? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I got to know Bill Self in Illinois a little bit when he was down there and I was playing down there and met him a couple different times. And I actually ran into him randomly in an airport and he remembered me. So I'm right now I'm leaning a little bit towards Kansas out of this bracket. I think they're playing pretty well. But my mom will tell you, watch out for time is at Michigan State. So All maybe right, that's, that's my, that's my match. That's my pick. Go so I, I think they can match up in the final. And I don't know, maybe ask me again when that one happens because I'll have to see how both have played. But both are good tournament coaches and uh, – uh, they've done well with their program. So that, that's my picks, Michigan State <laughs> and Kansas. Coach, thanks so much for your time. All right, thank you guys. On the other side, it'll be Chris Lehman joining me, and we will have a whole smorgasbord of topics to talk about from a successful wrestling program to another swimming and diving ACC championship and a little bit more about the softball team as well as some possible developments in the ACCHL, including perhaps the addition of a new team. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on The Howler, giving you the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Welcome back to The Howler. Drew Blevins alongside Chris Lehman. You just heard from Sean Reichick, the head coach of the NC State softball team. Would like to make a quick announcement, though. This will be our final 30-minute broadcast as we will be extending the show to an hour. We thank you for listening uh, quite intently and listening on a weekly basis. So we certainly appreciate the support. And now we will be able to bring you extended coverage. And Chris, let's go ahead and start off with the softball team. This is a team that has come in perhaps wanting to do a little bit better than they have. They've hit the ball well. They haven't always had it in the pitching circle. But this is a team starting to come into its own as they're about to hit ACC play. Yeah, and it takes a little bit of time sometimes, especially when you lose a big piece like Emily Wyman. And we talked a lot about that with Coach Rychick, and that's been one of the things that he's had to work with. He's been used to for three years having a pitcher who will go out and pitch just about every game. And then you bring in for two years Courtney Mirabella who is a very good compliment to Wyman and she's able to come in give Emily Wyman a little bit of rest do a good job pick up some wins for the Wolfpack and keep them in a rhythm but this year Mirabella is having to take over a heavier workload and you see she's struggling at times with it and the backup she has isn't as good as she was for Emily Wyman but that's all starting to develop and look better so that is turning upwards and I think that will help him in ACC play we also saw last night a big win at North Carolina seven to two in that one the bats really came alive and they've come alive at other points in the season but this is against a much better opponent in the Tar Heels so it's good to see that as well and I think you're right this team is shaping up to have a pretty good end of the season we'll have to wait and see how it turns out but coach Rychek certainly happy with the way his team has progressed after a little bit of a, a setback at the start of the season so I think based on how the season has gone and, and what they've had to work through this team's done a pretty good job. I totally agree with you. I really like what Sean Reichick is doing. I've liked him since he stepped foot into Raleigh. I think he's got a nice team that is surrounding him, and he's really starting to come into his own as both a coach and his team starting to come into their own as a perennial contender in the ACC. Reichick had a proven record from Boston University up in American East, and now you come to the ACC, and it's a little different animal because you do have some very competitive programs down here, notably Florida State and Notre Dame with their recent addition into the conference, but Reichick's done a very good job. He's got that hitting lineup where you've got Tyler Ross and Molly Hutchison and Meredith Burroughs right in the heart of that hitting lineup and Maggie Hawkins and Hannah Summer coming in at the five and six spots and they're crushing the ball and that's something that a lot of teams would like to have is consistent hitting and hitting that can take you out of the ballpark and get you contact when you need it. I do want to talk about something that he said though because it seems like we always harp on the power the NC State softball team has. I want to talk about the bottom of the lineup where he's got 
either Cheyenne Balls or if she's catching, but certainly the perennial person who's down there at the bottom of the batting order is center fielder Macaulay Prickett, the California native, the sophomore who is getting every start out in center field. She had an excellent weekend at the RDU Doubletree Challenge, and now you wonder if she's going to be able to continue that because she's producing from the bottom of the lineup. She's a slap hitter running out of the box on the left-hand side, and that's absolutely tremendous. Yeah, and that's, you know, we talked about with Coach Rychick that this team sometimes, you know, one part of their game works better than the other. So you have to kind of balance everything out, and it's good to see now that, uh, as you said, these these players, and especially as you've been talking about the hitters, are progressing really well, and they're starting to find their roles and their styles this year, and I think that has turned them into what could be a dangerous club. Well, let's go ahead and step off of the pitching circle and out of the softball stadium and go across the campus into the baseball stadium here. NC State baseball comes in preseason ranked number eight, and they have played well. They have gotten wins they're supposed to have supposed to have gotten, but you also look most recently against this ACC series against Boston College where they're shut out twice. One time they're just absolutely blown out of the water at 7-0. And then on Sunday they lose by a run at 1-0. Their only win in that ACC series comes with one run. And they split the series with Indiana State. I mean, this is a team that is playing good baseball but not great baseball. Is that concerning to you right now? A little bit, the fact that they'll come out one game and just light it up and hit everything, and and then the next they'll come out and do the exact opposite and can't find the baseball as it comes across the plate. That's got to change. The pitching is becoming more consistent. At the beginning of the year, we were talking about, well, these starters are only going three, four innings. You need them to go five, six, or seven. They're starting to go more. In a couple of cases, we see pitchers pulled early, but that happens when a guy has a bad outing. The, the pitching, I think, is progressing. The batting somewhat is, but not nearly as much because we're still seeing that inconsistency. And we know there are guys in this lineup that can hit the ball well. And one of them is Chance Shepard. He's done a great job at the plate. But you look at his numbers against Indiana State, he lit it up against Boston College. Had a great weekend. It had a few RBIs in that. And then he turns around. And I think he picked up one RBI in the two games against Indiana State. But he was fairly ineffective in that series so you've got to be able to find consistency not just in your best hitters like Shepard but in everybody and I think they're still working on that and I think when you look at this baseball team there's a lot of confidence on the mound no matter who you throw out there because there are some good pitchers and they were doing their job against Boston College they're keeping the run totals down they do get knocked around a little bit against the Sycamores of Indiana State but when they're keeping the runs down it's almost as if the offense just is non-existent to help them Chance Shepard started off white hot and has since sort of tailed off just a little bit he is seeing the ball better and he's a much improved hitter from what we would have seen this time say last year But when you've got a good core of starting pitchers that are keeping it down to three, two, one, no runs, you're going to need your offense to step up. And I'm sure that's exactly what Elliot Avent is telling his guys right now. What do you make of NC State pitching? Well, in terms of the pitching, I think the pitching is, is trending in the right direction. And they got a lot of good experience last year. 
not necessarily the experience you want in some cases, <laughs> but got that experience. So there's some more experience on this pitching staff this year, and they look good. But like you said, the bats have to help them out as well. We saw that most notably with Carlos Rodon. You want to go back to the 18-inning game against North Carolina. He throws 10 innings, gives up one hit, and a run that's not even earned, and the team still loses a game. There's no excuse for that. You have to have the bats going. But look at the way this team trended last year, and it's a very similar team. Last year, when they got into the postseason play and the ACC tournament, they started to string together hits, they got on a roll, and that's why they ended the season so well, and I think they've started this year better than they did last year, so I would expect them to end the season better than last year. NC State is expected to be competitive in the ACC, if nothing else, but by virtue of their ACC and NCAA preseason ranking. Not to mention, this is the ACC tournament runner-up. They lost to Florida State in Durham in the ACC title game last year, 5-2. Real heartbreaker there, too, because the difference in that ball game is a three-run home run. Really the only mistake by Johnny Piedmont, the starting pitcher that day. So, if we step off the diamond now... I do want to revert back quickly and talk about a sport that has been the headache of many NC State fans because it is their oh, no. love and passion almost to their detriment. I want to talk about the basketball team. And we are running a little short on time here, so we're going to try to give you a couple of quick hits about this basketball team. Cat Barber, second half of the season, second leading scorer by average in the nation. He is first-team All-ACC, but comes nowhere close to Malcolm Brogdon in vote total for ACC Player of the Year. He's probably not coming back to school, if nothing else but by his own admission. Mark Godfrey seems optimistic that he can get Barber to come back. I'm not so certain. But if you wrap this season all into one, can you make the argument for Cat Barber being ACC Player of the Year? I think you can, and you rattle off some of the great statistics he had, and you look at T.J. Warren, who did something similar and won the ACC Player of the Year a couple of years ago, and as an NC State fan, you look at that and you're like, hey, he deserves at least a consideration. And I think you look at what he was able to do and the way he carried this team. And you just look at the way some of those North Carolina and Duke games went. He NC State was in those games because of what he was doing. So he certainly has to be up there. But you can't, you can't take anything away from Malcolm Brogdon either. He's had a great career at Virginia. He has been deserving of this award, I think, a couple of times because... He's not only a good guard for Virginia, he's a good defensive player just in general. And and that's one of the things that I think is underrated about Virginia sometimes in general, but they're individual players as well. It's a very much a team game, but you have to look at the individual in this case. And I think Malcolm Brogdon definitely deserved this award. And I think there were a couple of guys, as every year, there are a couple of guys who deserve consideration for it. And it's just a matter of who ends up getting the most votes. And this year, it turns out to be Malcolm Brogdon. And congratulations to him. Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon is very deserving of this award. And it's like you said, and I don't want to get caught in repeating uh, you, but he did have a great career at Virginia. And he did have a good season this year. Following back behind him, Bryce Johnson, same story, good season at North Carolina. North Carolina, of course, the number one seed going into the NCAA tournament. They play today against Florida Gulf Coast, which should be very interesting. A couple of people have picked Gulf Coast to pull that upset, which would be interesting. But but all of that aside right now, Cat Barber, I felt he was a little bit disrespected, to be honest with you. I thought that as I looked at the vote totals, it was sort of a slap in the face because 
if we're truly treating the MVP award as an individual award, I think it's very hard to make a case against him. But, once again, you get caught up in this is a most valuable player award compared to this is a most outstanding player award. Malcolm Brogdon, truth be told, is probably more valuable to his team at this point than Cat Barber is because everybody came in, and I think this sort of tainted Cat Barber and his vote totals. Everybody knew Cat Barber could only be taken with a grain of salt because this is probably going to be his last year at North Carolina State, and I think that ended up hurting his totals. And also not helping anything is certainly just the sheer lack of wins NC State had. The Wolfpack head into the offseason beginning a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of days ago, I should say, after their final ACC tournament loss to Duke. They will be going nowhere in the postseason. And Chris, we will wrap things up here very quickly by talking about a team that has been successful. And I almost feel guilty for having to leave them to the very, very end, but I do want do want to try to end on a high note here. That's the wrestling team, and the wrestling teams will begin their dual meets here in the NCAA tournament very, very, very soon. This is a team that has guys like Max Roskopf, like Tommy Gant, like uh, Kevin Jack, like Nick Gwizdowski, who were all very, very highly ranked in their individual weight classes. And we had talked about this a little bit on Pulse of the Pack, your show over at WKNC, but this is an NC State team that has been a little bit disrespected in wrestling. They don't come from the Blue Blood Wrestling schools. They're not Penn State. They're not Michigan. They're not located somewhere in New York or North. They're really changing the face of NCAA wrestling. Is there a chance that they could come away and pull away with an NCAA team title here, or is this going to be a few individual titles? Uh, absolutely. I, of course, you have to look at it. And the way you look at wrestling, I see is, is somewhat similar to swimming. You, you look at the dual meets, and the dual meets will show you who's got the best wrestlers. The meets like this, the NCAA meets, where it's an individual tournament, it tells you who has the deepest team. And we talked about this, like you said, NC State, a lot of good wrestlers, but the depth isn't necessarily there right now. So there's a chance that some of those guys come out, maybe surprise you, go a little bit farther and get you a little bit further. And I certainly expect NC State to at least finish in the top five in the NCAA tournament. But we'll have to wait and see exactly where they end up. And it'll take an extra effort. I think we can say Nick Wisdowski, great chance at winning a national championship. Third in a row. Yep, and you also have Kevin Jack, who's in there, top five as well. So you have a couple guys who have chances at winning national championships, which goes a long way, but it's going to take some effort down the line as well if they want to win it all. For Gwizdowski, I think this is going to be his toughest mountain to climb. You can't really treat it as his nice little cowboy song to ride off into the sunset. You just can't do it. Well, I would bet that he is looking forward or hoping – at least as much, if not more, for a team championship because he's already won it individually, and I'm sure he wants it for the team as well. Well, the other catch to that whole thing is he has not lost a match since freshman sophomore year. He's That's on incredible. some he's on he's on some ridiculous win streak, and he makes everybody out there that is going up against him look like nothing more than a rag doll. I mean, he's just that good in a weight class that, of course, is the heavyweight, is the 285. He's a big boy, and he's throwing around a whole lot of other big boys. So certainly best of luck to those guys. I think it'd be pretty exciting to see NC State be exceedingly competitive in wrestling. By the way, most sellouts in wrestling history for this school uh, this season, which no surprise there. Well, Chris, normally we have a pick segment here. There's not a whole lot to pick right now, except for 
you know that perennial thing that comes around where you sort of have to pick games. There are like 64 basketball teams playing or something, right? Well, there were 68. We've already eliminated some of them. But I want I want you to give me something real quick. I want you to pick the biggest upset you think is going to happen. I want you to give me your final four, and I want you to give me your champion. All right, well, I'm going to kind of give you two answers for the first question because we talked about Florida Gulf Coast and North Carolina. I think it's the biggest upset that really has a real potential of happening. In terms of the biggest upset I have personally picked, I picked Arkansas Little Rack to make it to the Sweet 16. So I think every once in a while you have to throw in a little wrinkle, and that's mine. Hopefully it's the right guess because that's mostly what it is, an educated guess, but we'll see how that turns out. In terms of my final four, it's pretty, I'd call generic a lot, like what we've seen from everybody. Kansas and Oklahoma, Kansas wins that game. North Carolina, Michigan State, Michigan State goes up against Kansas and defeats them. I projected score 83-75. to Well, this is going to be a very, very boring retelling of nearly the same old song and dance. Um, I like that upset pick. I really like ALR as I got an opportunity to watch them, and and I saw a very good basketball team coming from a mid-major conference, and I'm exceedingly excited to see what they're going to do as they take on their opponent. But my biggest upset is happening in Providence, Rhode Island, have you ever heard of this little school down on the coast called UNC Wilmington? I, I had a great opportunity to listen to the press conference Coach Keats gave, and he's excited about this matchup. This is a basketball team that comes in prepped and ready. They ran through the Colonial. I mean, absolutely obliterated everybody. And if you can marginalize either Brandon Ingram or Grayson Allen for Duke and really put it on one guy's shoulder or the other... They're still running a seven-man deep bench. They don't have substitutions to make. If Wilmington can get out and run on the floor, I don't think Duke can keep up with them. I'm very, very excited to see what the Seahawks are going to be able to do. My final four, I have Kansas. That's my number one seed getting all the way there. I have Oklahoma. I have Michigan State. I have Kentucky going to the final four. I have them upsetting North Carolina. I think UNC's got a much more difficult road ahead of them than people realize. They're probably going to have to play Providence. Providence was my pick out of the final game tonight between Providence and Southern Cal. The Friars are a very good basketball team. I think Carolina gets by them, but I think you're going to have to go up against a Kentucky team that slightly underrated. They're SEC champions once again. They're starting to come into their own once more, and John Calipari is a great tournament coach. Roy Williams doesn't necessarily have that track record consistently. Does have a few national titles under his belt, granted, but not always a great tournament coach. And then my final, I have Michigan State beating Kansas by a projected score of 77-71. to Hopefully, hopefully Tom Izzo doesn't fail me. I, I had them going to the Final Four last year, and that was my only Final Four team, so we'll see. should be an interesting one in the NCAA tournament this year. All right, well, that is going to do it for us here at the Howler. Signing off for Chris Lehman, I'm Drew Blevins. You've just been given the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Again, we'll remind you that we will be extending this podcast to an hour coming up, beginning with our next episode, so we hope that you are all prepped and ready for a little bit more NC State athletic coverage. Until next time, I'm Drew Blevins. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Howler, a service of Wolfpack Sports Television. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu sports. The Howler is brought to you by White Street Brewing Company, handcrafted beer made in the heart of downtown Wake Forest. Visit us just up US 1 at 218 South White Street or at whitestreetbrewing.com.